0: Hello everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Um, this is where, obviously, myself and my wonderful friend Ralphie um, is uh, will be talking to you about some of the week's um, more interesting, uh, uh, you know, uh, bits of bits of news. Um, so it, I almost dread, <laughs> I almost dread to think. Like every week seems to get even more dramatic than the last you think surely nothing else can happen however this week it did um so uh, so this so this week in today's edition we're going to talk about uh trust you know what happened there the long-term effects secondly we're going to be talking windfall taxes and other taxes and then the third thing we're going to be talking about um the death of uh electric vehicle m- um manufacturing in the UK, so there you go. Drama times three. So, um, so uh, starting off with the first one, um, trust. Um, I mean, we said it last time. Uh, you know, she, we said we shouldn't. She wouldn't last a week. Um, we were wrong. She lasted for less than a week. <laughs> um, uh, you know, she la- you know lasted uh, not long into the week. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was was a disaster. Um, so many kind of digs and things on, on, uh, on, you know, on social media about the whole thing. Um, I suspect that, um, comedians, uh, British comedians will be, I mean, they, they will have so much material, um, to go for the, for the next few months. If only this had happened in July, um, you know, the Edinburgh festival would have been absolutely sorted. But anyway, um, Yeah. So what do you what do you make of uh, what do you make of the whole drama then, uh, Ralph?
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing Um, if if it wasn't so tragic, really. I'm torn between laughing and weeping. Yes. The first thing which occurred to me is that PM is now another unit of measure. It now stands for time. We, we now have like, like you know, like we have seconds and hours. Mm-hmm. Now we have chancellors, which is by basically lasting a second, and yeah. we have PMs, which is maybe roughly a month or
0: yes.
1: so. Yes. In in, in yes. fact, I was uh, saying to you last week that she might not uh, survive the weekend. In in in, mm-hmm. in fact, by that measure, she did a good job. She lasted yeah. <laughs> <laughs> until. Yeah. Wednesday lunchtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. the Daily Starletis has still outlived her, and yeah. the looking looking quite solid there. <laughs> that was a genius.
0: So, <laughs> that was a genius thing, wasn't it? Um, as, a, as a quick aside, I don't know if you know this. I um, I forgot what I've said to anyone else as well, but um, I when I did a previous version of of Watson's Daily, so it used to be called Watson's Wi Fi when I first started, and I did a like a web TV show uh for day traders and um i managed to predict the outcome of the referendum the brexit the referendum using a cucumber did i tell you that mm-hmm. so so yeah so basically i was on this tv show and i got the i got this cucumber and i i got a piece of i got a piece of paper saying uh, in or out and i spun the cucumber um and interestingly um it went to you know it went to exit but only just slightly so <laughs> really actually, not only not only was the cucumber right um <laughs> in terms of the actual out uh, in terms of the which way it went but also by by degree as well uh so so yes uh so anyway so i think you know definitely there is a space for um using um, vegetables and/or you know, sort of salad, uh, salad ingredients generally, um, for predicting uh, political outcomes.
1: Um, well, in, you know. in, indeed, we could just make a cucumber our next prime minister. He would, he, yes. he or she, yeah. I don't know what what, um, what gender a cucumber has, but yeah. they, let's say, would they, probably yes. be, be. more <laughs> on LinkedIn,
0: cucumber. <laughs> they, you know, in brackets. Yeah. They. <laughs>
1: They will be more there will be yeah. more predictive and more sensible uh, yes. pre- predictive of future outcome and more sensible in the implementation of 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 policies than mm. our outgoing lettuce um, yes. which is um list us no well what do i make lettuce of this reflect well, on that. We, uh, oh my Sorry. god oh dear anyway what do <laughs> i make of it well the world doesn't need me to add to um general in, in invective and mm. um, and, and and horrible statements about this. I am just aghast, just like anybody else. What I have said on this program many times is that I regard Listrust as a an ideologue. I might have sent, said set a vacuous ideologue, and I think we have now seen that this is true, because basically what she did is she just implemented policies which she thought were in line with uh tried and tested Uh, cliched conservative policies, meaning conservatives never increase taxes, they always reduce taxes, and obviously we've seen the impact on the expected future inflation, commensurately interest rates, and the markets responded. Um, Where we are now is and and I was wrong last time I did think that there was only one way in which this could be done and go through another hustings etc process which is is far better that this is actually not the case and we will mm. know who our new prime minister is uh, by by the end of next week I believe mm. now um there appear to be really only two people in the running one is Rishi Sunak and it appears that Boris Johnson has now uh, garnered 100 people in support. I've just seen that as as a news flash, which which in itself is unfortunately, I have to say, it, it, it's it's embarrassing and farcical mm. that a conservative party, who six eight weeks ago has explicitly said this man is unfit for office. We, the Conservative Party, regard Boris Johnson as unfit to lead the country. That's not my interpretation. That is what they have said. Mm -hmm. Eight weeks on, they're saying, "Ooh, he was pretty cool, really." In the end, I mean, let's (laughs) let's give him another shot at this. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, ah, the
0: naughty tinker. You know, he likes a bit of a party, but who, who doesn't, eh? Hey, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah.
1: I, so there is only one sensible person here. If if Rishi Sunak this time makes it, I believe that uh, the impact of that will be will be positive. Mm. Uh, it will be positive on the economy. I mean, he's going to do things which. Um, people do not wish to see. This is already being implemented. Jeremy Hunt has basically reversed all of the various policies, decisions mm. made by ListRuss. And I think this is for the, for the best because we need to get away from the inflation spiral. Nobody can afford uh, 7% mortgage rates and it now is looking as if we're not going to get this. But mm. we're still going to get 5 to 6% mortgage rates. So we need somebody who is going to be able to implement wiser, Policy decisions, and that's not mm-hmm. going to be Boris Johnson, that's going to be Rishi Sunak. Mm. By extension, I also think that Rishi Sunak has a better reputation as a sensible, reasonable man outside of the UK, and although I personally do not really care for things like patriotism or whether we are the laughing stock, which is currently something which is suggested. I mean, whether we are, whether we don't, whether we're not, I don't know. And, And also, I wouldn't really care. What I do care about is whether outside businesses see the UK as an attractive place to do business. And with Boris Johnson coming back in again, I'm afraid that would do further damage to the reputation of the UK as a place to do business. So, again, my vote would go for Rishi Sunak if he gets Mm. in. I think the situation might be perhaps not exactly salvageable, but we are going to head into a period where the crisis can at least be uh, addressed rather than fueled further. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I mean, I think that um, I I would say the city and the, uh, sorry, not the city, the markets and the um, broader, you know, um, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the phrase now, but, you know, the the broader sort of political world, you know, all the leaders, um, I think that they, they will, you know, Sunak would be their preferred candidate. As in, I think if he became leader, markets, wouldn't tank you mm. know i think that they would either you know it depends what everything else is going on as well but um i would have thought that he would be the one that would make least you know uh, uh least waves in the market i think because mm. you know he's known quantity he's been you know he's battle hardened through some very tough years um and um yeah you know people take him seriously so I think that's good. Um, Penny Moores't I don't think is well, it's not, is, it doesn't have that experience, not as much of that kind of experience. Um, so I'd be surprised if she did. Um, it'd be interesting, but I, I'd be very, I'd be very surprised. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think Sunak would be the preferred candidate. Mm, yeah, So yeah,
1: I I would be surprised if Mordant even gets the threshold sorted of of hundreds uh, MP support. Mm. Um, so far, I haven't seen that she might. She's still below fifty, I think. Mm. And um, and I don't think she's a she's a known quantity outside of Whitehall. Mm. Inside of Whitehall, she's she's well known. I have to say, I don't really know that much about her. I. I wonder, having seen her brief performance as leader of the House when Liz Truss was reportedly not hiding underneath the desk. Uh, you know, guys, you 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 may know this. I mean, the, she, she was being asked the question, is Liz Truss uh, hiding underneath the desk because Liz Truss wasn't there? And uh, Mordent repeated that and denied it. Well, that's basically the cardinal sin in terms of PR because you give the press a soundbite. Now, that in itself doesn't disqualify you as Prime Minister, of course, but it does show that she is untested and perhaps still a little bit naive in the way in which she communicates with the public. Of course, Mm. that can be learned, but I believe that uh, Rishi Surak is definitely my first choice, and I would hope that the majority of MPs remember what he said in the hustings that we are going to get to 7% interest rates if list Trust's policies are being implemented they were implemented and we did so mm. there mm.
0: yeah no absolutely and then, and um, you know and actually going back to one of your other points about you know the long-term damage in terms of reputation etc again I agree with you I think that you know i don't think it's it's neither here nor there in, in in really um but i think that um and actually you know what you were saying about our business is going to see the uk as a serious place to do business i still think they will you know the the uh, the reputation we have is built on a long you know a very long period of time um also i imagine that the weak pounds is not going to hurt either uh you know that's gonna that's certainly gonna make things easier um and you know i mean i think the other thing is that everywhere's they've got their own stuff to deal with at the moment i mean we're all we're all in an energy crisis we're all seeing um inflation going through the roof so i mean i i, I think this is a you know truss's leadership has been a effectively a comedy interlude um and then you know back to the back to the serious <laughs>
1: stuff really yeah um, i mean the, so, the, yeah. These, anyway yeah. um These points are difficult to evaluate, but after Brexit, the pound, of course, devalued against other currencies. Mm. And uh, yes, in theory, that should have been actually uh, positive for exports, Mm. but it hasn't been. You see, this is Mm. the interesting thing. If you now look at the economic data, you can clearly see the pandemic effect. And you can clearly see the trading Mm. volumes of countries after the pandemic. As Europe is coming Mm. out of the pandemic, pretty much every European country is seeing an increase in trading volumes. Guess Mm. which one Mm. isn't? Yes, it's the Mm. UK. And that is absolutely a Brexit effect. This Mm. is not just me speaking, but you guys, I apologize, but now you know that I do think that Brexit was the biggest folly this country has committed since the Second World War. But this is not just me speaking. These are economists. Basically, everybody says that. And you can now, Mm. not that it was the greatest folly. Everybody says that Mm. the fact that we are not seeing trading volumes increase after the pandemic, that is a Brexit effect. And so if we're Mm. thinking about longer term issues, I think the longer term sustainable damage that has been done was through Brexit, um, and of course, in that regard, we need to remember that Rishi Sunak is also a supporter of Brexit. Mm. It's not as if mm. uh, the man, in my view and my economic assessment, um, is 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 the panacea of uh, mm. uh, all, all all good economic sense necessarily. But I believe he is the right person at the right time mm. now yeah 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 fair enough
0: fair enough so obviously we'll see soon enough uh, how things work out um so let's move on to the next thing windfall taxes um so i mean I th- yeah. you know, this week there was a lot of chat i mean obviously we've seen recently windfall taxes on um uh, on energy companies uh, you know and uh, well oil and gas companies and things and uh, there's also a lot of talk that um, maybe the, the the banks are going to Uh, be put under focus by Jeremy Hunt who's looking to plug a massive fiscal hole Um, and the thing is is that you know traditionally banks do well um, in an environment where interest rates are going up because again very very um, crudely put it just means that they they can you know they can have a bigger gap between what they charge uh, uh, you know what they charge borrowers versus what they Can give out to savers that you know they they just have more scope Um, and in current circumstances they don't really want to be shouting too much about that Um, but even so um, Jeremy Hunt is obviously sniffing on opportunity here and of course the optics uh, aren't going to be too harmful to him either because if he just says well you know, bankers, bankers bonuses, you hate bankers. Therefore, look, we're going to get a, a windfall tax from them. Um, I think that would, you know, that that should play to the gallery to to an extent as well. So um, so that's quite interesting. But again, what, what do you what do you make of these uh, windfall taxes?
1: Well, well, quite. I mean, I, I I dislike windfall taxes, of course, mm-hmm. in general. But we are in a difficult period obviously everybody knows this and we, we, and we need to implement or, or let, let's put it this way the conservative party knows that they need to implement some policies which are going to go some way towards uh, narrowing the budgetary deficit and the budgetary deficit is if anything is going to grow not not come down if, mm. if you don't do anything and sometimes when i see the press coverage um, analysing Jeremy Hunt's various um, policy decisions. I hear things like the reversion on the 45% top uh, tax bracket Abolishment. It's, it's hard to know. This is the U-turns again going on. So that that's going to save 5 billion. And then other things are going to save this, where they're not going to save anything, because that's just saving it relative to a disastrous situation, <laughs> yeah, which right, mistrust yeah. would have caused. Yeah. All yeah. that does is it just means that it's not going to get worse than it was before. So in order to address the budgetary deficit, we need to do other things. What Jeremy Hunt has done is he he, he, um, avoided a deterioration, but he needs to do something explicit, something new, in order to plug the budgetary deficit. And so Mm. therefore, I I don't think there is much choice. I would think that um, windfall taxes on the banking sector is is one possibility. Mm. I have said before, we we said this before, windfall taxes on some selected uh, energy companies is another possibility. Mm. And then there are very difficult things which one might think about. And these are wealth taxes. Mm. Let's just remember that was mooted under Boris Johnson, but then was sort of Forgotten about or we never really heard about this again mm. now a wealth tax is something like a council tax for example you 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 pay council tax based on the the deemed value of your property um, and that is a wealth tax because you need to find cash uh, um, the, the valued on something which you own and mm. so in other words, if you f- say say, you own a house which is worth £10 million, and then you have to pay, let's say, £50,000 on, on that. This is presumably fine, you would think, because a person who is as wealthy as that will easily find £50,000 somewhere. Mm-hmm. But this is, in fact, not always the case. I mean, £10 million is, of course, now an invented example, um, But let's say you have somebody who has a million-pound house. That's not as rare as it sounds, maybe, Mm. uh, if you live in London. And maybe this property was inherited. And so Mm. maybe you have a perfect normal person sitting in this type of property. Uh, You don't have much revenues. Maybe you're a pensioner. And then all of a sudden you're being asked to stump up, let's say, 5,000, 10,000 pounds, which you simply do not have. So in other words, wealth taxes sound good. Uh, and and in principle, they are, I think, a possibility. But if but if we are going to implement wealth taxes, we need to think um, very hard about how to do that in a socially mm. responsible way. I think. Mm. No, absolutely. Yeah,
0: agreed. Agreed. Um, so yes, I mean, I think that um, there's going to be a lot of things. There's going to be a lot of things that need to be done that sound right. Mm -hmm. um but then again yeah i mean it's it's going to be hard to um it can be harder to actually implement them i mean one of the things which we did touch on before and which i saw again this week in in the ft which i think is is very true is that um you know one of the good things that's come out about this whole um uh, trust sort of debacle is that although i as a customer you know welcomed the idea of Having um, a sort of guarantee on the energy bills for the next two years. Mm. Um, in reality, you know, if I were to look, stand back and look at this objectively, um, that would have that's a big commitment in terms of money, and it may well be that I mean there was there was there was talk of everyone getting something and then there would be like a means-tested element or something like that. Yes. Um, and I remember we were saying, you know, it does seem somewhat ridiculous that you're just giving everyone something because <laughs> there will be a lot of people out there who can easily afford it and they they don't mind, mm. whereas, you know, but that you're still giving them money, which is money that, say, someone who really needs it is going to be deprived of. So it's good that it's going to be means-tested, um, that – the fact that it's not going to be guaranteed for two years is also good from the finances point of view but it does mean as a consumer it's it's it does prolong the worry you know because you just don't know what's going to happen i mean if it's that bad i'm sure that it will get i I really would be very surprised if it doesn't get extended but um but yeah we'll just have to see
1: yeah exactly
0: so uh anyway let's talk about it's about cars um and uh, which you know I'm trying to be chirpy here, but it's all rather depressing so um really what i'm I'm trying to say here is i it just occurs to me that um you know maybe six months maybe a year ago um there was a lot of talk about um the u k trying to be at the forefront of electric vehicle manufacturing and batteries and things like that because you know our, the car industry um globally is shrinking and um and you know ever again another thing of brexit of course is that um that having manufacturing here versus the uh, versus europe can be problematic um but anyway it just seems to me there are a lot of stories this week that um that come come together that sort of imply that maybe we really aren't going to be at the forefront um of all this so you've got um you've got a British vault which it has that factory um up in Northumberland in all sorts of financial financial chaos so we don't know what's happening with that so that's the that's the battery front um but also um BMW took the decision to um to Say that you know they're not going to manufa- keep manufacturing the electric mini here uh next year they're going to manufacture it in china instead um and then um, you know there there was um there was another thing sort of later on in the week where arrival which is sort of ostensibly a a british start up although you know the the person that started up is russian and but came here and it floated in America. But anyway, that aside, it's a bit like the Andy Murray, right? You know, Andy Murray playing tennis. When he was playing well, it was always British. And when he was playing badly, he was Scottish. Right. So I mean, you know, arrival, is it British? Is it not? Is anyway, um, very sad in that they had what I thought was a very interesting business model in that they were not they were not going for the Giga factory option. They were going for having smaller, localised factories around the country, so that they they would be nearer to their customers, which I thought sounded great. Um, but they've decided to. Um, I think they're they're cutting um, the production of uh, buses and cars and just concentrating on vans. And they're just going to go to America. Loads of people are going to lose their job over here. So it's very it's very sad, and it does it would suggest to me that. You know, we are we're we're not really going to be at the forefront um, at all when it comes to electric vehicles. Who knows? Maybe things will turn around. But at the moment, it's not looking good.
1: Mm, what yeah. do you reckon? Well, indeed, unfortunately, this is the case. I mean, I don't look behind exactly the nature the detail of the nature of these decisions, of course. But I would believe that Brexit at least facilitates decisions of this nature. Because if you, for example, Mm. look at the decision of BMW to relocate the manufacturing of the electric mini to China, um, I think the plan is to manufacture these in China and then export them globally. Mm. Now, that would have been possible to do from the UK very easily, when the UK was still in the European Union, now that the UK is outside of the European Union, it is certainly not easier to export something from the UK into Europe. And Mm. therefore, it doesn't really matter anymore from that point of view, whether you manufacture Mm. something in the UK. Or, for mm-hmm. example, in China, if, if mm. you're following this, I mean, yeah. when the UK was in the EU, you, you you could have said, well, okay, China, there is lower cost, that's good, but from the UK we can export into probably one of the three large uh, automotive markets in the world, which is Europe. With mm. we, with with we, with that um, possibility now. Either gone or, or, or certainly moderated, other alternative uh, countries become more attractive to attract that sort of level of manufacturing, and 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 so that, this is what worries me slightly hmm. that we are going to see the long-term effects of Brexit coming to the fore now as we're coming out of the pandemic. And eventually, mm. one would hope, as this current crisis abates, we're going to see more and more of this type of stuff, <laughs> of, of these type of decisions. Mm. Mm. Um, and mm. yes, th- this is a particular galling uh, it be because these are not turn-of-the-century industries; these are future industries. This is what the future is going to be all about. It's going to be mm. electric mm. vehicles, electric. Uh, vehicles, battery manufacturing, and other technologies which are um, which are going to be leading the way into the future and you would want as a country to a- attract a large chunk or at least some of it in into your territory mm. so yeah absolutely I hope that's not too gloomy a context i I think it's got something mm. to do with that
0: mm. absolutely well i mean it is it is it is tricky. Uh, for sure. So I thought maybe we could just finish maybe on a, on a slightly more positive note. Um, one of my favorite stories, um, this week, uh, what I really liked was this thing about Foxconn, um, which is famous for assembling, um, Apple, uh, you know, iPhones, Mm -hmm. um, moving into vehicle, uh, well, vehicle manufacturer, partly vehicle because they're not going to make their yeah. own full car uh it sounds to me like they're going to make something like a like a base or something maybe platform or something but anyway the idea is they're going to be able to make them at scale um they've already signed up some um small you know manufacturer uh, most manufacturers uh and the idea is you know they've got very big designs over the next few years to um take a, a, a big chunk a big chunk of the world's market share um so why do i think this is interesting well i think this is interesting because um for you know for a few reasons one is the fact that it's a consumer electronics manufacturer assembler you know it's Mm -hmm. the biggest one in the world um and it's deciding to do something that is very very expensive and difficult to do Mm -hmm. um however uh I think if anyone can do it, they can, and clearly they are very good at designing processes that work. Um, yeah. It's also interesting because all of the sort of facilities are not in China. So this also is interesting because you kind of think, well, maybe this is quite a defensive move because if their, uh, you know, contract manuf- um, electronics manufacturing is has got China in it, that makes it problematic. So maybe earnings from this new business could really help to uh, balance things out. Um, and, you know, I think that th- this would be great for auto manufacturers as well, because it means that they'll be able to lower their prices. So if Foxconn can make all these, these things, um, at a very, at a reasonable price. That gives the, the motor manufacturers um more scope to lower their prices should they want to. Mm. Um and so I think that's really good as well. And for Foxconn long term, although it says that it doesn't want to make its own car, I think that it can piggyback off the um off the reputation of companies like if if let's say it signs up VW, Ford and all the rest of them and Stellantis and things. Um, then actually, over the years, assuming that things go okay, um, people will respond and think that, you know, realise that Foxconn is making this. So that if they ever should decide in the future to make a a uh, their own car, then they can and they won't have to go through the years and years and years and years and years of reputation building that, say, Tesla has had to do or any other kind of new manufacturer. So anyway, so I... Do you, you know, do, what, what do you, what do you think of that? I mean, it's an unusual
1: yeah, I, I, one. I, I find it very interesting and quite unusual. I don't know ex- exactly about the car manufacturing potential of this move. Mm. If there is one, it would be in in the more distant future, I, I, I believe. Mm. But it's certainly interesting that Foxconn is identifying an opportunity to leverage their proven and tested expertise in the manufacture of electronic components and position themselves in one of the obviously or arguably most um, potentially growing markets in the world where these products Mm. are being used, which is, Vehicles, specifically electric mm. vehicles. Mm. So I, I think the move is very interesting. Mm. Mm. Uh, the projection, I think, Foxconn itself expects something like five percent market share by twenty reasonably quickly, by twenty twenty-five, mm. I've heard, or twenty. Mm-hmm. 20 I, I believe that's right, or twenty twenty-eight, perhaps. I don't know. But anyway, that that would be a reasonably quick glide path towards establishing a meaningful market share globally and the idea is to actually get 50 percent one half Mm. of Mm -hmm. the entire world market i mean these type of growth protections projections i think always have to be taken with a pinch of salt Mm. but if we just run with this then obviously it would be very interesting for foxconn to do Mm. but at that level i would maybe have to introduce a, a maybe more more sobering thought. I, I don't think it is ever good for world markets if the majority of a key component is being sourced just from one manufacturer mm. in one particular territory. Mm. Because obviously it's Taiwan mm. and there is some political risk there as we all know. Uh, But even if there wasn't any political risk, there is, of course, always corporate risk. I mean, the company might disappear, it might make silly decisions, uh, and and, and then what you have is 50% of the supply of electronic components in a key market of the future is going to disappear. Now, none of that is necessarily going to happen. 50% is their forecast, their projection, their their, um, ambitious target. Uh, but but uh, I, I think before we get there, it's going to be a very interesting move for Foxconn, and it's probably going to have exactly the uh, the um, consequences in terms of economies of scale which you outlined. Mm. And so let let's see where we go with this. Mm. But I think in the more immediate future, if 2028 is the more immediate future, I think it can be can be uh, can be seen as as immediate. I think it's a very interesting move, and it will yeah. certainly be good for the um, development mm. of the electric vehicle industry. Yeah. Albeit, it won't be fueled much by the UK, apparently. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So there we go on that. I mean, it was
0: very difficult to try and end on a on a positive oh, note. Oh, I'm sorry, I mucked make... it up, did I? <laughs> no, no, <it's> sort of. <laughs> yes, yeah, well, no, not really, not really. It's all right, but uh, but anyway, yeah. So very difficult times. Very interesting times, um, you know. But yeah, we're we're right in the middle of it at the moment. So hopefully, helping you to navigate um, through through that through these stormy waters. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess on that note, uh, we shall uh, end this week. But uh, as always, Ralph, thank you very much indeed um, for being on here and. Uh, we bid you uh a, a a a goodbye and uh see you next time
1: Any absolutely checks? always a pleasure always good fun thank good you stuff. very much for having me all Thanks, right guys.
0: see you bye